0: seems like every local in the valley here has a mountain bike. This sport is really exploding. I break the law. I ride illegal trails. trip. And it's getting away from the cops, the cars, the concrete. This at is
1: the Chinese a Chinese down
0: here. Here's the snowboarders together on a run. You're looking for trouble. You know, they get on skis, and they just think they can overcome the world. The
2: more you Brown. around, the more you're going to find out. i like to think that death is out of the question. Their life starts at 40 miles an hour. So.
1: You ride the chairlift. Or... Two or three weekends, and you have to go like climb hills all week just
2: to be even
0: with God, you
1: know. Welcome to Mind the Track with Powbot and Trail Whisperer. Ramblings from the skin track in winter, single track in summer, celebrating the core lords, and fostering the culture of mountain life in the Sierra Nevada and Great Basin. Today's May 8th, 2023, and you're listening to episode number nine. Number nine. And today we are recording in Trail Whisper's mobile recording studio. The first time that we've attempted a Mind the Track podcast episode in the back of my RV, a 1990 Toyota Sun Raider 18 footer uh, that I converted to four wheel drive a few years ago. And it's got a big panorama window. Uh, we pulled across the street from our place in Verdide, and we're looking at the Truckee River out the back window right now as the sun's starting to set. And it's a kind of a gray, gloomy day. It's a beautiful
2: afternoon. But, I'd yes, say. it's a beautiful afternoon. PowBot, how are you, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm stoked to be hanging out in the Sun Raider with you right now. <laughs> this, this thing I was telling my wife... I think a day or two ago about how cool this this rig was, and she couldn't quite wrap her head around it, you know. And we've always had a fair bit of like door knocks and questions about our little RV that we have. Uh-huh. But I was telling her that that this thing is way cooler. <laughs> like everybody loves this rig. Yeah, thanks, man. I, I actually told her that just everybody that he meets wants to have sex with him because that <laughs> this thing is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then I think she understood it at that point.
1: Yeah, well, it's mostly guys that might want to have <laughs> yeah that's it. well that that was my You're point like, that, was, hey, my point that hey. was my point with it that was my point with it
2: yeah this thing's cool it and it's cool too that it's all it's vintage
1: yeah it's all original
2: it's all original on the inside it's
1: uh vintage but it's got a modern motor i put uh 3.4 v for all the gearheads out there put a 3.4 v6 out of a tacoma in it and, um, yeah, and then all the drivetrains, modern, um, new springs, new, you know, shocks. And, and it's lifted. It's lifted. Went to single rear wheel in the back. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it gets it in the snow. It's actually a great snow machine now with the four-wheel That's drive nice. all the weight. That's rad. Yeah. But uh, anyway, it's kind of fun to be just chilling on the river, looking out the back window in the backyard. And, um, you know, for today's episode considering we're recording in an RV um, and that kind of van life, kind of nomadic lifestyle kind of feel. um, Our guest today, um, she's spent a lot of time uh, kind of living that nomadic Mm -hmm. lifestyle and is kind of an expert in that regard. So, And she's always been like, man, I want to check out your rig sometime. So I was like, well, why don't we just go record in it? Um, So today's episode, our special guest is Christina Thayer. Uh, Christina, uh, lives here in in Reno and, uh, I met her, oh, like a year or two ago, maybe a year ago. And, um, she is, it's hard to, I mean, I basically just say she's kind of a Renaissance woman. She's got so many Mm -hmm. different interests. She does so much cool, different cool stuff. Um, and, but in order to pay the bills these days, she is the, um, the trail's, coordinator program coordinator for washoe county so she works for washoe county which is um you know where uh reno is located um it's quite a big county we'll get some details from her on that but anyway um christina thanks for coming on the show and and welcome to mind the track to the show
3: Thanks. I'm so happy to be here in your rig. I have to I have to ask before we get started, do you have personalized plates? I didn't notice.
1: I don't. I I. you know, I don't. I'm too cheap. I was like, I don't want to pay extra for personalized plates, but
3: I have one no. I've been saving for a really cool rig. I oh, thought yeah? about this for a business name, so anybody out there listening just know that I own the domain name and you can't what is it? have it. <laughs> it's rigwood. Rigwood. Rigwood would be a great license plate, and it's what you get when you see something. Like this. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> really? I mean, you, so we've good. all had it. Yeah, <laughs> pretty funny. Or at least uh, I get it.
1: <laughs> that's a good one. That's yeah. Rigwood. That's this so would good. be an
3: appropriate Rigwood license plate. I would give it to you. <laughs> you could. Have Is it,
1: it a Nevada plate?
3: No, I'm saying that I, if when I have my amazing rig, I've always thought, oh, I would get Rigwood plates. But
1: somebody might already have it, right?
3: I'm pretty sure they don't in Nevada. Did you check? With my most recent camper purchase, I did look into it,
2: and it wasn't taken. It
3: was not taken.
2: Ah, that's so cool. I I always wanted the Eagle Five.
3: Oh, there's one for sale (laughs) at Craigslist right now. For
2: Eagle 5. And do you know what that's a reference from? (laughs) No. So it's from the beginning of Spaceballs. Oh, when When it's like the beginning of Spaceballs and it's like, you know, they're mimicking the Star Wars scene. That's the Death Star. And then like the RV, you get the first sight of the the flying RV. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And he goes by and it's it's California. It's the vintage blue and yellow California plate. And it says Eagle 5. Oh, yeah. Dude. I thought you were um,
3: referring to the Eagle 4x4 wagon no, it's Spaceballs from the 80s <laughs> that I also love.
1: Did you have one of those?
3: No, but there's one for sale on Craigslist right now.
1: <laughs> in, I know that. Because, in Reno?
3: Yeah. It's in Reno. It's in Reno. and Ooh. I mean, they're pretty cool.
1: It's a Ford or a Chevy? Or what is it?
3: What is Eagle? Is it, I don't know what Eagle is, actually. I, I don't know, know what Eagle, what Eagle I, was. It, Wasn't it, it was it's a conver- thing?
1: It was a conversion company, but what did they put it on? Do you know? It looks
3: like an old '80s station wagon that's four by mm. four and lifted, way higher than a Subaru.
1: Oh, Eagle! Oh, you mean the Eagle AMC American Motor Company? Yes, Yes. yeah. Oh, the Eagle. Those things were so. Those things were crazy ahead of their time. They were an all-wheel drive, lifted like station wagon, basically. Yes. It's an American Subaru. It was an American Subaru. Yeah. Exactly. Way 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 less reliable. Way less reliable. I, and, God, I wouldn't, I, I mean, as a as a gearhead myself and in my own Shade Tree mechanic, I, I would cringe at the thought of having to find parts or work on an AMC Eagle. I don't even know where the hell you get parts for something like that anymore.
3: It's just a weird, cool little car that would be fun to have. <laughs> like a Pinto or something weird.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to look forward to the time when, when Kurt actually has rig wood. As is custom played. Right. Well, I was thinking like Sun S U N R A D R, right?
1: That's seven letters. It's sun a little Raider. too spot
3: on. I know, but <laughs>
1: it's got it's like, well, so what I want to do uh, is because I have the original graphics, you know, it's mm-hmm. like concursive and it says Sun Raider on it. I was thinking about like doing those original graphics, but then like redoing it, and it's like radar. So it's like C N D R A D D E R. You get a CND award for that. Yeah, (laughs) that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So, but I can't. Yeah, that's too many letters for a license
2: plate. But Mm -hmm. I could redo the original graphics. (laughs) You know. Yeah. So, since we're talking van life, let's let's get into that one a little bit. Yeah. And and I, you know, I think all of us have spent a fair bit of time living in our cars. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you know, once you figure out that if you if you lived in your car, you'd be home by now. That's, right. that's something that I think there's an aha moment that you have yep. at some point in your life that you become an RVer. Yep. And, and obviously with people like us, we, we tend to sort of gravitate to smaller RVs.
0: <laughs> totally. Uh, things yeah. that
2: can rally around and make it to, to you know, park, you know, to, to trailheads and parking lots that are far away from everybody else. And then, you know, we can sleep off the ground, we can have a good meal. We could have a cup of coffee in the morning and get, and get out the door. Yeah, uh, but you know what? What was your first rig like that, Christina? What was oh, your first?
3: The first for me was it. A, was it a Westphalia Valley or? A it van? was. It was a '76 Volkswagen Westphalia. I was. Uh, I, I exaggerated this a lot. I say I was born in it, but it was not. <laughs> <laughs> My folks bought it when I was two years old, and I remember um actually going with them to purchase it it's one of my first memories it's is, a weird is memory i remember awesome. going to a dealership and opening my mom opened one of the drawers and there was a bunch of jelly in the drawer <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason my mom still doesn't understand how i know that or remember, remember that remember but it that. was like they hadn't cleaned it out well enough
1: <laughs> what color was it
3: it was oh this is a good part of the story it was uh that kind of yellow. Remember that mustard-y. generation was like kind of mustardy yellow yep. that, and that had green and yellow plaid yep. interior. Yep. And then when I was 16, that was the family car. So we did every national park in the country. We never stayed in hotels. I don't think I stayed in a hotel till I was 20 years old in my 20s. And we camped every summer in that thing. And when I was 16, I was lifeguarding in Yosemite, just outside of Yosemite one of those family camps on the Tuolumne River. And my parents said, we're going to bring the van up to you. We're giving you the car. We bought a new car, and this is going to be your car.
0: No way. And
3: at the time... To be honest, it was a little bomb. It was like the family car? Uh oh. <laughs> right. And by the way, don't buy your 16 year old daughter a Westphalia camper. Yeah. It's not a great that's idea. A, no. <laughs> every every
2: dirt bike bag climber in the valley wanted to move in with you, probably. Well, I was also
3: 16, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. <laughs> that's a crucial part of the story. But I was lifeguarding and they said we painted the van and we cleaned it all out and we got personalized license plates. And so we're going to bring it up to you. And was I it was, Rigwood? It, well, unfortunately, that would have made my life I'd take a completely different turn. They show up and they drive right to the lifeguard stand where I happen to be working. And the van was painted this kind of creamy off-white color. And the license plate said, buttermilk.
0: <laughs>
3: B-U-T-R-M-L-K. Oh, And I was like, my high school life is over. Yeah, right. (laughs) Buttermilk? Why buttermilk? And they said, oh, it's the color. Like, nothing cool about it. And then the Princess Bride came out. And remember, she was Princess Buttercup. Yeah. And so all through high school, people called me Princess Buttermilk. So uh, that would defi- that was my first rig and I drove that from the time I was 16 until I was 36. Oh was my like, god, oh wow. are you serious? No joke.
1: 20 years.
3: 20 years of driving the family car that I also did endless trips on and at some point I decided I wanted to drive the speed limit. <laughs> I was living in Colorado, you know, working in the climbing industry, basically doing rock climbing restoration areas, and you know, everyone had a rig, and we'd meet out in Moab from Boulder, and everyone wants to take their own rig, right? Because you want everyone wants their own place to sleep and their own little camper, and people would get to our project sites a good two to three hours before you, before me. <laughs> 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 and so they passed I,
1: you on the way. Like I saw you yeah. like an hour ago. Yeah,
3: and they're like, "Sorry, Christina, we'll see you later. There's gonna be beers, <laughs> cold beers there for you when you get there."
2: <laughs> well, that was part of the whole West Valley Life thing. Was that it? Did was a slower pace. It's a practice and patience. Those yeah. machines, man.
3: I still drive very slowly, <laughs> just based on that. How did you?
1: So I drove a Volkswagen bus once, and it was the sketchiest vehicle I've ever sat behind the wheel of.
3: Were you in the wind?
1: No, it was just driving around the block. My buddy's like, hey, you want to take this thing for a drive? I'm like, I've never driven a bus. Yeah, I'd like to see how it drives. And, you know, I in a former life, I reviewed cars. That was like, mm. I, that's what I did. So I got like a new car every week and we do a video and a written review about it. And I was like in the automotive industry doing journalism. And so I was like, yeah, I want to drive this thing. And it was super sketch because you're like sitting on top of the thing in the very, very front of the whole vehicle, right? right? Your knees are basically like touching the headlights and then the. All the, the steering linkage is just like this, I don't know, man, it's like some 1800s, like, you know, uh, Can- Conestoga wagon type linkage design. And then like the brakes are all, me- everything's like super mechanical. And, and that uh, big dude. sloppy
3: gear shift. Oh,
1: I was just like, man, I would, <laughs> I don't know how people drive this thing long distance. You have to be just like, I, you have to I, be I a mechanic. You gotta be a mechanic. You do. do. And then I just I have ultimate respect for anyone, especially you. Twenty years driving that. So you kept that going the whole time, eh?
3: I I know how to bump start a van. Yeah. (laughs) I bump started that thing all the way to Idaho once from San Luis Obispo because I was hell bent on getting to Idaho. It would get vapor lock. Oh
1: (laughs) yeah, yeah. You know,
3: And I, at that point in time, I decided if I ever owned a chain of gas stations, I would have the one Volkswagen aisle where it would be a hill, you know, because the worst thing that can yeah. happen when you're driving a Volkswagen is that you have to stop it to get gas. <laughs> and then you have to bump <laughs> have start right it by yourself, pushing it.
2: Well, you stop you know. on a hill.
3: Well, sometimes yeah, there's you, no hills. Right. <laughs> That'd be a good
1: vanity plate. V-A-P-R-L-O-S-Vapor
2: lock. Okay. That's true. So all those years touring around in that in buttermilk, what what was your favorite place that you ever camped at, or oh. your favorite roadside attraction, or your favorite place that that thing brought you to?
3: Mm, you know, I took that on some four wheel drive roads that, I I mean, people don't believe that I made it in in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a very very difficult road. It's it's probably changed now in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains, called um, South Colony Lakes Basin. Mm-hmm. And it is, at one point, it was written up as the second most technical road to drive in the state of Colorado. And I rallied that van up there.
0: Heck yeah.
1: Yeah, nice. but
3: honestly, my favorite did memories... Did you burn the clutch out? No,
1: oh. no, I did not. Does it have? Did, did you it have, like, it? low enough gearing to get up, like, steep, rocky, bumpy things?
3: They're very high off the ground. You don't realize that they're so high off the ground. There's and... a little
1: clearance with them. No, but I'd seen, like, the gearing like were you still having to were you stalling it out on those like rocky jeep roads or no wow. no
3: we my dad did change the engine out and he put a 1600 in it when okay. i was i don't know so i had
2: like 50 horsepower instead of <laughs> right, 35 right right
3: <laughs>
2: i love your parents already but I, like, I, I, I know wanna, i want i want to meet them <laughs> They seem very cool. Well,
3: and the funny part when you were talking about what scared you, Kurt, was that my dad also had a van. He had a 69 van, not a camper. That's
1: even more dangerous, yeah.
3: And he was hit by a cement truck. Oh, God. Up front and center. Um, and the van actually did well. I mean, it, when I say hit, it was a graze, but a five, your worst five mile an hour bump. <laughs> nightmare in a Volkswagen to have a cement truck lose its brakes and come at you head on. Oh,
2: that's a worst nightmare in any vehicle, right? even a Subaru, <laughs> right. for crying out loud, let yeah. alone a van. Right. I got hit by a Tacoma this year, and they told my car. like are a Right.
3: Yeah. But so. the, I think my favorite view was I put myself I, – I, I don't want to disrespect my parents here. They paid for my college education, don't get me wrong. But I lived in the van all through college at Cal Poly mm. in San Luis Obispo. And if you know that area, they have this gorgeous – Park nearby called Montana de Oro, right on mm-hmm. the. Uh, oh yeah, cliffs.
2: yeah. There's some mountain biking there. we all bikes there, I yeah. think.
3: And I camped on that cliff. <laughs> I don't think you can do that now, but I would open my sliding door to these gorgeous sand dunes, and yeah. there was the surf. Oh wow! Out there, and so you know, people back then would say, "Are you okay? Do you want to come in the house? We have a couch." I'm just like, "What? Are you high? I opened my door, <laughs> and there's the beach." You know, yeah. I mean, I have everything I need right here. And back then, there was no hashtag van life right. going on. And people thought I was not doing well. <laughs> right. Living, it's kind of like living the, the, the
1: Chris Farley, you know, living in a van down by the river thing. You know, it's exactly. like, that was like the bottom
2: of your existence back then. Right? Now it's like it's like a lifestyle. Now man. it's a lifestyle. I, I, I had a lot of people. I traveled around a bit in the early days of me van lifing. And I was in my late 20s. And there were all these retired people that were doing it. And they, mm-hmm. they asked, they would just be like, so let me get this right. Like, you're doing what we're doing, but now at, when you're 26, And <laughs> right. I'm like, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I'm going to all the national parks and hiking and climbing and biking and surfing and seeing as much as I can in this great country here in, in the lower 48 via an, a small RV. Totally. And it was just kind of funny to see the, their reaction and sort of be like, right. well, hold on a minute. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't we do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I, you know what I love about being in an RV
1: or a van, um, especially a hard side one, is right now outside the wind is it is howling, mm-hmm. ripping, you can, and you can feel the RV shaking a little, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just so nice because you just it's like being in your house and you you get cra- you kind of get rocked to sleep, you know, some on those windy nights, and then especially if you're like camping with a friend who has a tent and you're looking out the window going, <laughs> sorry dude, sorry. you know they're just like. <laughs> hate in life <laughs> right dirt nappers <laughs> even the even the pop-top tents like um my buddy ryan salm he and i were out at uh like sacramento pass near wheeler mm-hmm. um out in great ba- or uh great basin national park and it was like a calm evening and then suddenly the wind kicked up and it was just raging so we just like well we're going to bed i get in mine he has like one of those rooftop campers on top of his forerunner and next morning i wake up and i'm just like how'd you sleep dude he goes nah didn't sleep. <laughs> Barely yeah. slept. It was terrible. hmm But yeah, having a hard side. So you had a Westie, right? I did. So it had the little pop top like camper thing, right?
3: It had a pop top. Yeah, nice. I'm actually I'm a fan of pop tops. I'm a just huge opposer to rooftop tents. <laughs> yeah. I have my own thoughts on that. So what's that your what I are, I are your thoughts on rooftop tents? I don't care. <laughs> no, I I no. don't I I like where this <laughs> With is my going. I want on to hear this because I
1: have a friend who's like a, a big time four wheel drive like adventure guy. Um, Harry Wagner, he's like the he's like the four by four version of what I do, like journalism and four wheeling okay. and stuff. And he's been doing this stuff for twenty plus years. And he same he doesn't like rooftop tents. But I want to hear the reason why you don't like them.
3: Okay, first and foremost, there's two main reasons. One, I'm a woman, and mm-hmm. I have to pee in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I do have this fun little thing that I like to call a sheeness. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard of these. If you're a whitewater boater, you know these. They don't make great women's dry suits. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a tool that can be used. <laughs> is that like I like the call go it a sheeness. It is. It's like yeah. the, the, yeah, the she weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. call mine my sheeness. <laughs> but I, I don't want to <laughs> pee out of a rooftop tent in the middle yeah. of the night. Right. And then I also am a dog lover and I have a dog and I can't get my dog up there. Yeah, I'm not carrying a bunch of stuff up there. Right. Um,
2: yeah, and then what if your a, dog has to pee?
3: What if my dog has to pee? I, I don't know. I just figure like just sleep in the back of your car or sleep on the ground in a tent, and then at least if the tent's on the ground, you can drive away from it and save your spot if you wanted. Right. I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts on this. They just yeah. they seem practical for some people, and the peeing and the dogs—that's really the top reasons <laughs> I yeah. don't like them.
1: Yeah, I think I, from what I understand that what some people like about them is the convenience. Like literally, you roll up, you pop your thing open, and you already got your sleeping bag and everything in there, and you just go sleep. There's yeah. no setup and breakdown really, so I, I can see that. But I agree with you. Like I, I don't know, man. It just and then I, where do you yeah. put
3: your surfboards and your? Can you right. pop, Can you put stuff on top of those on the racks? Do you have to take them off? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't see it very often. And if you're carrying boards, yeah. It's just a waste of space. Yeah,
1: yeah, and there's not a lot of space to be, you know, to be had. You got to be super efficient. Now, you're with your bus. Um, where did you carry all? Your, what gear were you carrying with you, like for oh, 20 years?
3: Back then, lots of rock climbing gear, uh-huh. tools. I was also in the tool world back then as well. Like what kind Trails. of tools? Trail tools. Oh, trail tools. Yeah, we were doing a lot of rock work. I was mostly working in rock climbing areas back okay. then. And building access trails? Building access trails, Mm -hmm. replacing anchors in cliff walls. Uh, Mostly the organizations that I was working for were were taking care of projects like that for rock climbing. Mm -hmm. Lots of stone stairs and retaining walls and belay staging areas and Mm -hmm. restoration work. Um, Yeah, very much. Did you work for Access Fund? Partly, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Rocky Mountain Field Institute and the American Mountain Foundation, the Access Fund. Mm -hmm. We traveled all over basically climbing area to climbing area. So my trail business started back then, probably around 1996.
1: And how far after college was this?
3: Six months. (laughs) So
1: right out of college you were doing trail stuff?
3: Right out of college. And I got a degree in forestry and went immediately to the alpine tundra and the desert where there's no trees. (laughs) 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 And that's honestly where I really found my love for other rigs. I just Mm -hmm. call all campers rigs. Um, You know, one of my favorite people was this woman. I would see her in climbing areas in Mexico or in Utah. And she had a Volkswagen Golf TDI. Mm -hmm. And she had taken out the front seat, passenger seat, and had a little bed and a tiny kitchen. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it was amazing. And she was getting 50 miles (laughs) to the gallon and just hauling all over. Wow. And she literally had a little, it was almost like an Easy-Bake oven. And we'd see her in Indian Creek, Utah, and she'd make turkey on Thanksgiving in her little golf.
2: What a legend! Wow. And that's
3: when you know this is pre pre social <sighs> media turkey. and you know lots of internet access. Where I had this fantasy of having a coffee table book of people's rigs mm-hmm. and then what the plan was and how, what they would do differently, and then a little feature on the person. So that's why like this doing a podcast in the back of your rig has been this lifelong progression of me wanting a coffee table book about this exact type of conversation. Oh, that's hilarious. (laughs) I love it.
1: That's so cool. Now, how long have you been? So you were on the road while you drove your bus for 20 years, so you were living pretty much on the road for 20 years? Or did you Um, have a base camp kind of place where you lived and then would take off from?
3: I never really had a home I mean, I did. I would rent places for, I think, the longest was three to six months at a time. Yeah. But based on jobs or lifestyle choices or trips, yeah, I didn't really ever live anywhere. Obviously, I'd come crash with my folks from yeah. time to time. Or I think all of my friends have had me live on their floors <laughs> at some point in time. Even now, when I go back to Bend, Oregon to visit friends, yeah, they... All of them are, you know, at this different chapter of life where they're, you know, building their second home or, you know, have some sort of vacation rental. And they all say that there's the Christina unit. There's like some shed. There's usually a shed or an extra room or an in-law unit that they're building. And I've had so many people say, you know, this is for you when you come. And i like, I'm hoping that they'll start manifesting that I just get better rigs. <laughs> rather than... <laughs> so all you what you're
2: asking for is just a nice level parking spot
3: yeah I' I don't not need much yeah. <laughs> with hookups <laughs> in fact I love don't get me wrong I love the whole sprinter thing if I could mm-hmm. afford one I might actually do it I, you know I have people who would probably laugh at me because i've i've done my fair share of making fun of the sprinter van culture yeah but i would take one in a second they're easy if, to, they're easy I to would, poke fun at i don't want to poke fun at them but i they're so practical and fun. they're pretty
2: yeah, practical
1: they're, they're pretty nice yeah they're pretty practical
3: but more and more after uh having so many different rigs or been with so many people in different iterations of van life, truck life, Yeah, I've really gotten much smaller. I've been going smaller and smaller.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. so go. let's go. So after your bus, what did you have? Did you go big? Um,
3: I actually got a, t- oh no, my, the first thing i had after that was a Subaru. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had a Subaru. And again, that was just because I really wanted to go to the speed limit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it was and a modern
3: Subaru. Yeah. yeah. So I had two cars for a little bit. Uh, but then I started doing minivans. I did oh. a lot of like the Previa, the yeah, Toyota those are Previa. are super
1: yeah. stealth, and they're really good. Yeah, and then uh, Chevy yeah. Astros. Yeah. I yep. Sienna, the Toyota Sienna. I had, had a
3: Sienna. Yep. Um, Tacomas, mm-hmm. um, different types of you know living out of the back of a truck. You know, if you think about it, and based on my age, I've <laughs> and how long I drove the van. I've yeah. had a lot of cars squeezed into a short amount of time. Right. Um, and then a stint owning a rental camper van business with somebody else, and trying to figure out what type of vans were the best for that sort of business. Yeah,
2: and what did you land on for that?
3: N- the only thing we could afford,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> which was basically Ford vans, <laughs> the yeah. big boxy Ford vans. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Those are good too. Yeah, cheap yeah. and cheap and
3: easy to part, fix. Easy to fix parts, parts, parts are
1: available. Parts. Yeah. yeah, I
2: yeah. had a big old Ford at one point. Mm-hmm. It was a two fifty for to call on uh uh quigley conversion oh ooh, the quigley. And it yeah. was, that thing was badass it was bright safety can orange oh nice dude. and it was lifted yes and i had bought <laughs> it from a friend who was a uh he was in a band in san francisco and he, he used it for his, the moving all the all the speakers and, and band gear around yep. and it had a custom pullout like like a, a shelf thing that was like the whole length of it and the, the person before him was a sail maker down in the Bay Area. So I think they were using it for distributing and, and selling, sailing sails. But he was using it for his band but I loved it because when I got it we, we could just pull that, pull the thing out the back and yeah. sleep under the yeah. stars. It was perfect for summertime sleeping. Did it, um... Did you get like nine miles per gallon? I think I got about seven. <laughs> I know that was my first question. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I had it. it w- I had it in the early '90s. Uh, no, early. When was that? Gosh, no, it was early 2000s, I guess. And and you know, the the pushover point for me is when gas went to more than two dollars a gallon, <laughs> because when it was un- right. when, when it was a dollar seventy-five or whatever, and I could you know it would only cost me five bucks to go from from Truckee over to Alpine Meadows. Yeah. It was okay. But then when it once so, went north of $2 a gallon, it started not making sense. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I think that's funny how as we age, the things that you'll find more important in campers. My my number one item right now is heater. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. listening to you talk about your buddy in his rooftop. Mm-hmm. And I went camping. I was in Sedona with some friends two years ago, and they were in there. Beautiful sprinter van with a heater watching Netflix, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was in the back of my truck it's before I have the camper that I have now. And fr- just freezing.
1: You just had a camper shell on it. It was like just a, a camper shell. shell, and I yeah. thought,
3: whatever, we're mountain biking. Who cares, yeah, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But it was getting dark at five, and right. so to sit in your own,
1: there's not a lot to do. You're truck like, from uh,
3: five until the next morning, right. and freezing. And uh, um, that's when I realized this is the last time I think I'm doing this. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you get, a, yeah, you get to yeah, you get to a certain age where
1: you just—I mean—you could do that stuff when you were younger. But I look back on some of the adventures that I did when I was younger. I'm like, I wouldn't do that today,
2: right? You know, yeah. like older, wiser.
1: Yeah, it just yeah, you're just like I did it. I did that. You know, like I drove. I had a. I built a Toyota 4Runner rock crawler truck and drove it from the Bay Area to Moab. It was like a three-day journey, and and I had a four-cylinder motor, you know, the 22RE four-cylinder with 35-inch tires. I was going like 40 miles an hour on the passes, like Highway 50, <laughs> you know, through Nevada, and I'm just like, I got there, and then I wheeled it, right, and did all the, like, Poison Spider Mesa and all the Golden Spike and all that stuff, and then drove it home. I was destroyed at the end of that trip and i look back on that going i can't believe i drove that thing all the way out there and all the way back you know without trailering it or whatever but yeah there's stuff you do when you're younger and then when you get older you're like i need certain creature comforts Mm -hmm. you know i think when i was 10 years well was it yeah almost 10 years ago when i was looking to buy an rv or a a camper or something um I was like i just need a you know cab over camper don't need a bathroom you know and my buddy was like trust me dude you want a bathroom especially if you have a lady and i was single at the time (laughs) you know and i was like "Mm, all right and then later on you know when i was getting more serious about finding one um,
3: a lady or a camper? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit of both, love you know? Love. A little bit of both.
1: Um, and then Swan John and I met, and and I was like looking for a camper, and she's like, Yeah, I'd really like to have a bathroom. It's the pee equation. And I'm like, Yeah.
3: I don't have a bathroom, but.
1: It's nice, man. I don't want to pee out of a ride. I don't have a bathroom <laughs> either. <laughs> to right to have a bathroom where you can like take a shower, <laughs> hot shower after a cold ride or something inside. You know, like, I mean, that cabinet, the shower cabinet in this thing is literally like three feet by three feet. So it's like being in a, you know, a coffin, but hey, it works. Like, you know, this thing. You can wash your pits and possums and. Oh, yeah. You can. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it works. It works. I'm not looking for a luxury experience. I just want hot water and mm-hmm. get clean, you know? That's really what it's all about. And so the bathroom's pretty clutch. I don't think I could ever, you know, another, if I ever got another vehicle after this one, it'd have to have a
2: shower, toilet and shower. It's pretty clutch. So since we know what your rig is, Kirby's, we're sitting in it right now. Christina, what's your current rig?
3: Oh, gosh. I love what I have right now. And I know it'll change. I'm I'm just going to always evolve with my campers. I have what's called a Roman chariot. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> and you know what's funny? What's I that? told I told a buddy of mine who has a, a Sprinter van, I said, oh, my gosh, I'm driving up to Oregon. finally found this. I looked for this for years. Um, It's called a Roman chariot. They quit making them during the recession of 08. And he said, that sounds like something a college girl does to (laughs) you. The old Roman chariot. (laughs) (laughs) So every time I say it out loud to people, no, I can't help but think that. It's a very lightweight camper that fits in the back of my uh, 2011 Tacoma. Cool. And it is a pop top, yeah. but it's super lightweight. So no sink and no fridge mm-hmm. and no stove. Nothing built in. It's just the cabinets on the pop top and a dinette. And so that I have taken that thing so many crazy four wheel drive places because it's, it's super lightweight. Yeah, it's Probably only low four profile. or five hundred pounds at the
2: not even five hundred. And it's actually is
3: light. Wow. if I'm next to somebody who has a four wheel camper, mm-hmm. it's about four inches taller. The profile is about four inches taller but other than that it's when lighter it's, when
2: it's down it's four inches it's taller down, yes.
3: okay yeah when it's down and it's more the uh what do they call it it's kind of like the angular shape it's not you know four-wheel campers pop the whole thing pops up right and in this one they save some of the weight because it's only one all oh, that one it's, end of it kind of it pops up. It
2: pops. like okay. the westy
3: like the westy yeah. you can't
2: get away from your westy I roots
3: so i just can't and <laughs> um i love this thing so much. I'm trying to get everybody to love them because then it'll just increase the value of what <laughs> I have. <laughs> I think COVID, COVID kind of did that for everybody's
2: camper. But These
3: are so cool and they don't make them anymore, but I don't know that you could have a better design on the inside. I, I look at the cost of the four wheels, which don't get me wrong, I love them too. They're pretty overpriced. They're so cool, well, now, but they're I've so expensive. I've made money on mine.
2: So I have a 98 yeah. four-wheel pop-up yep. that I bought in 2008. So yeah. it was ten years old when I got it, and I got lucky. I got it. I, you know, I was doing the search. This is a funny story. So, trying to get campers, you know, we all go through this. You know, how do you do it? Where do you look? And so, I, when I bought mine, you know, Craigslist was going, but there was no way back in the day to. There's now this thing called Tempest, mm-hmm. where you can search all of the Craigslist for mm-hmm. whatever it is you're looking. Oh, for. Oh yeah, search Tempest. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but that wasn't a thing when I bought mine, and so I would, I, I bought my truck first, and then, I started waking up on monday and wednesday and friday mornings and basically would get my morning coffee and sit down at the computer and i would check every craigslist on the west coast yes from san diego to seattle and i also threw in denver and phoenix i think were other good markets the dry places without rust yeah with yep and (laughs) so and i would just do i was looking for a a a four-wheel pop-up eagle which is the, is the model uh-huh. that would fit my truck. And I think it took me about four months yeah. to finally find that thing. And I got lucky. I found a guy in Oakland that had it, and he would do a Baja trip once a year for a month with his wife, and he owned a commercial building in Oakland, and he kept it popped up for the rest of the year. So the thing, like, the canvas was still brand yeah. new. It uh, still smelt new. And I got lucky. got down there and got that thing and, and pieced it together, and it's been my rig ever since. I uh, just
3: love... Rigs. I do. I like everybody's stories. I like how you find them. I'm actually very good at finding them for other people. So if anybody's ever looking for one, you should be. I would take uh, a
1: small commission. commission. Yeah, you should be an agent.
3: Oh, I've thought about this.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I. That'd be a good job. This one, the this Raider, I I found it in 2014 in Colorado Springs Mm. on Craigslist. It was at the time it was. I thought way overpriced. The guy was asking twelve grand for it, but it, it was two-wheel drive, but it had a V6, which is with the short body. This is a eighteen-foot V6 with the like third-gen Toyota pickup, which they only made. I later on discovered they only made twelve of them. They're super rare, and so I was like, ah, twelve grand. I don't know, but it only had sixty-eight thousand miles on it.
2: This only had this? 68 when yeah. you got it.
1: Wow. No, it was it, and so uh-huh. I called the guy, and he was like this retired Air Force guy, and he was, seemed super meticulous. He's like, "Yes, I've owned this for X many years, and I've done this, and it's been covered and stored, and I don't use it anymore." And then I was like, "All right, how flexible are you on the price?" He's like, "Not flexible." I'm like, "Okay," and then um, I I just kind of I went for it. I'm like, "I'll wire you the money." I'll fly out there. Can you pick me up at the airport? And he said, yeah, yeah, I'll pick you up. And so he picked me up at the airport and That's drove me back move. to his house. Yeah. <laughs> I bold. trusted him. I did some research on him. I kind of looked his name up, and and I could tell this guy was like, he was legit, right? Um, a retired Air Force guy, like he's not, um, he was a pilot. So I knew it was. there was no shady business going on. And um, yeah, it rarely do you buy something sight unseen, and then when you get there, you're like, it's better than oh, you were expecting. Yeah. I love it when that happens. And it was better than I was expecting. I'm like, this thing is clean, dude. Like, super clean. All original, like, in perfect condition. The dash was perfect. It looked brand new. And I'm like, wow, man. Okay. And so I I drove it from Colorado Springs back to Reno in november right before right as this like first big winter storm was blowing into the rockies and i'm like i gotta get the hell out of here so i was like racing out of colorado springs in two wheel (laughs) drive with like these questionable tires they're probably 10 year old (laughs) tires and went over like hoosier pass into Breckenridge and then jumped on 70 and went over Vail Pass. And as I was going over Vail Pass, it just starts nuking. And I'm like, oh "Oh God.
3: Scary stretch.
1: And just got (laughs) out of there just in the nick of time and um, stayed with a friend of mine in Grand Junction as like it dumped, I think it dumped like two or three feet in like Breckenridge that night. Um, So just by the skin of my teeth made it out of there. And uh, yeah, drove it all the way home and ran great. And man, it's. Here we are. Here we are and recording looking back, pod- it was recording a podcast. <laughs> the best twelve grand I ever spent for right, sure. Yeah. Oh man.
2: Um But it's been it's been a fun machine. Sounds yeah. like a cool dude. You bought that from the the guy that I bought my camper from. He of course knew about the restaurant. So I, I am used to be a partner in Peanut and in mm-hmm. downtown Truckee. I don't know if you've been there, but it's, a, yes. it's definitely a fan favorite. So.
3: It's the you date know. spot. Yeah, it is the date <laughs> spot. Date so spot. I, I,
2: I think the guy that I bought my camper from probably had a date there with his wife, and, he, and you know, and he, he was like, "Oh, I love your place," and so he surprised me a couple times over the next like a year or two after I bought it from him that he would leave me a note uh, because my he you know recognized my car because uh-huh. he actually met me. He came and met me in Sacramento. We had to do the transfer at four wheel because okay. Tacomas don't have the the hooks to to install those things properly you have oh. to you actually have to have four wheel pop up like make this custom thing that goes into the frame so that the camper doesn't rip the, the whole truck back just saying
3: the Roman chariot was built for yeah, the yeah. Tacoma. just yeah. saying so anyway but it was super cool he, he actually came
2: and, and surprised me a couple times and he, and every now and again he would come and leave me a note and and a few times he would leave me random parts he would like find <laughs> so like something awesome. from back in the day. he's like oh yeah here's a found this yeah he's like hey I found this here's <laughs> this for you and he would like set it on my hood and I'd come out from work and there would be this little treat from the guy Guy that i bought my camper from I it's just so that. neat that there's like the, the culture of people who who have these types of rigs like it's like a family yeah
3: it represents freedom to me kind of fully. you know just this yeah. i know that i can leave at any minute and i don't have to go back home yep there's you know if mm-hmm. i have my dog with me and some water and so many times i thought well i don't really have to go home i could just stay right why would I leave? <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. I love that. Well, yeah. that's, and that's one thing I love about van lifeing. sometimes when I'm out traveling. And when I get to a place that I absolutely just love yeah, and I discover it and like maybe I have an agenda and have to be somewhere else, I'm just like, no, I think I'm going to stay here another day or two because I can. Yeah.
3: You and know? I will say yeah. only because hopefully you'll have some young, young listeners <laughs> who maybe haven't found their flow, their financial flow yet. Yeah. And as somebody who has managed a lot of trail programs or trail related uh, projects, I work with a lot of youngins who are working on trails. Mm-hmm. And there's always this chasing of the rig, right? This, oh, I don't, I can't go do these things because I don't have the right oh, rig. Yeah. <laughs> right, and just go I do will it. say the right rig is the one, the car that you have. Yep, Whatever yep. you have can work yep. to get out there and keep doing things. Yeah, yep. Because I've watched so many people just keep, they're waiting they're waiting for the the thing to show up. Right. You know, but you could do it in a Volkswagen Golf. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> TDI, you mod it. You, you take ma- this front seat out, and you can make whatever you have work for you.
2: Yep. Yeah, that, and that was, yeah, my very first one was a Ford Bronco. I had a Ford Bronco that I was just, you know, would take the back seat out of, and I lived in the back and traveled all around in that thing. Mm-hmm. And then there was they a company had made a camper that would fit in those things that was a walkthrough. They fit in Blazers and Broncos, and I don't remember the, yeah. the brand of the company that made those, but it, it it eventually inspired me, and I pieced it together, and I bought a Scamper, a six-foot pop-up that would normally yes. fit into a truck, and I modded it to fit in the Bronco.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, it, you know, it took me a year and or, you know, a <laughs> solid six to nine months to mod this whole whole thing out, but, you know, I pieced it together. Yeah. Yeah, like you, you work with what you got, and at the time, I, my Bronco is what I had.
3: Yep, yeah.
2: So, Christina, let's... Let's shift into like the things that you've done over the
1: years, because yeah. you, obviously we've established that you're experienced in the nomadic yeah. lifestyle. <laughs> we love, we all love living out of a van, <laughs> we love camping. but, and, and you, and you've kind of established that you, um, got your start, um, with trails. Um, mm-hmm. but what other kinds of things have you done over the years or interests that you, you've had or, or types of endeavors that you, you've delved into, <laughs> Sometimes I don't
3: even know where to start. Right. (laughs)
1: Have you
3: ever made a list of all the jobs and the things that you have done? I mean, mine is one of those lists where I everyone I'll stay up at night and think, oh, I forgot about that one. I forgot about that job that I did, or I forgot about that thing that I started.
1: (laughs) Is it because so a question would be how Were you able to, was your nomadic lifestyle and lightweight existence the reason you were able to just say, yes, I want to do that? Or like, were you, you know, you would come across something Mm -hmm. and just go, I want to try that. I'm going to try doing that.
3: Yeah. Actually, yes. I haven't really thought of it that way, but yes. You weren't Um, tied
1: down by a mortgage or like family or like.
3: No. And at the time when I was really going deep into the climbing and rock climbing restoration areas and trail work. We would have these down seasons in the winter usually, and I was spending a lot of time going to New Mexico and learning about, uh, do you know what earthships are? Mm-hmm. Earth ships, like like um, Earthships. Earthships? ships. yeah.
2: They're like clay or mud.
3: Earthships are a style of environmentally friendly building, basically. Yeah, like, like That's the best way to sum like it up. Like an out. adobe house like, or something? Uh, adobe. They can be adobe. Earthship is really a straw? system. Straw bale, uh, earthships have okay. tires, sorry, yep. the uh, tire construction or glass bottles. It's just alternative construction using recycled materials or natural materials. Yeah, And I was going deep into the green building world about healthier construction. And at that time, uh, because I kept, I would just sleep in the back of my van and mm-hmm. go help build an earthship in New Mexico. And I got really into it. And then through a series of, accidents and tragedies that happens in the climbing world, I split and I came out to California and I helped somebody start a green building materials business in Marin County, which is like a green Home Depot, so to speak. Yeah. And at the time, the word green wasn't even popular. Yeah. But, you know, people didn't know what green meant. So it was an environmentally friendly building supply store for exactly that environmentally friendly building. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of, you know, the market was doing weird things, and I ended up in Oregon because they were, Oregon and Seattle were really the places that had that going on. Was
0: this in,
1: what, 2008, or when was this?
3: Uh, before that, 2005-ish. okay, um, Somewhere around that, <laughs> yeah. So I ended up just busting up to Portland, Oregon to work for a company that was doing something similar, and they asked me to go to Bend, Oregon to help with a satellite store that they were opening. Mm-hmm. And I got fired from that job. (laughs) Only job I've ever been fired for, which is a whole funny story that we don't have to go into. I did nothing wrong, by the way. (laughs) But I I got fired. I did. I got fired. Actually, this is funny because it was kind of over a bicycle. (laughs) (laughs) It was doing a trade for some flooring for a bicycle that I really wanted.
1: (laughs) That makes sense. (laughs) Is there some kind of ethical, like unethical?
3: that's questionable it's questionable whether it was really not ethical or not yeah. but it w- on my end it actually was. sounds like bartering <laughs> it yeah. was kind of it was just a deal that was being made so maybe it wasn't 100 percent approved yeah. <laughs> at the time but um i met a woman who was building a straw bale house and she needed some help and so i she said do you want to move into this construction site with me and build a straw bale house and i thought yeah i know how to do this And so I moved in with her and her three-year-old, and we started building houses, (laughs) doing construction. Wow,
1: so you were a contractor.
3: Yeah, we were working for ourselves, building green homes in Bend, Oregon. And then the market tanked. Um, Uh, This is very, I'm making a very long story very short. The market tanked, and I bought a ticket to Hawaii, (laughs) of course, because that's what you would do when you're about to lose all of your money. (laughs) And I sold my Tacoma. I had a Tacoma at the time and I sold it and thought, ah, there's always other trucks. I'd yeah, rather yeah. go to Hawaii.
0: Yeah. And,
3: <laughs> and that, and I just, that style of lifestyle of just kind of throwing caution to the wind and thinking, well, I can always live in a car. Yeah. Um, led me to come back from Hawaii and buy a minivan.
1: <laughs> How long were you in Hawaii for?
3: Uh, a couple of weeks. It wasn't that oh, long. Oh, you just went? It wasn't that long.
1: It was like a surf trip or something?
3: Yeah. Surf trip, wedding, you know, chasing a man kind Uh of thing. Yeah. And then uh, I got invited on the Grand Canyon to go raft the Grand Canyon. And I decided, you know, I should probably come off this trip. This is going to be about a three-week trip with a plan, with a life plan.
1: Yeah.
3: And when I got off that trip, I decided to become a hairstylist. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, I, you know, and I have multiple degrees, you know, I'm in construction, I've been working in trails, but I, this is actually interesting because I, you know, I think this is great advice. We were having a conversation in your house, Kurt, that made me think about this, of that type of lifestyle choice, how, how we all picked college, yeah. you know, of yeah. just, oh, I want to live in San Luis Obispo. Right. Well, this choice to become a hairstylist came from a, a life coach who said, Pick your non-negotiables about the way you want to live your life. Right. And and then every time you come up with a thought of how you want to make your money, see if it fits those non-negotiables. And my non-negotiables were, well, I want to make enough money to support myself and not stress. Yep. And I want to have constant access to the out-of-doors, whether I work outdoors or I can easily go ski or surf or mountain bike or raft at any yeah. moment. Yeah. And I wanted to make up my own schedule and I want to do something creative. Yeah. You know? And then I would run these ideas of things that I wanted to do.
2: You'd run it through that filter. I'd run it
3: through that filter. And then every time I thought, oh, I'm going to be a sushi chef. <laughs> i think, oh, am I going to be creative? Probably not. Am I going to make a lot of money? Probably not. You know? And yeah. I'd run through all of these. And it really came to the me thinking about my hairstylist at the time was making bank and she had a rad rig <laughs> and she was putting her husband through nursing school and they were always taking off and going on these surf trips and mountain biking. And it's like, man, I am going to get over myself. Who cares if I have all these degrees, this career will give me this lifestyle yeah. that I want. Yeah. And I lived out of vans <laughs> and trucks. Did and you a- cut
1: hair out of vans?
3: No, but I did cut hair when I first got started. I didn't have anywhere to do it. yeah. And I didn't want to just jump into a salon. And so I would cut hair on people's decks. (laughs) And then I realized, oh, giving a haircut in the wind is challenging. (laughs) But I do have have a great photo. It's actually on my Instagram of me cutting someone's hair on a motorcycle. Like she's on the motorcycle and I gave her a haircut. (laughs) Um, So I did get. I think I had a do as I say not as I do. Mm-hmm. I mean clearly I don't do my hair now <laughs> and I would show up to my hair appointments wearing ski pants <laughs> like <laughs> coming from Mount Bachelor fresh off the mountain, fresh yeah. off the mountain wearing ski pants <laughs> and like you know helmet hair and come sit down and but that's why my clients loved me. My clients were outdoorsy van life people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. How
1: and many then, years did you do that for, hairstyle? I did
3: that for 6 years, okay. but I would also do other yeah. things. I I love cooking. I'd cook for people for my naturopathic uh friends are all naturopaths or a lot of them are, and so uh-huh. I do cooking for their clients and build out vans for people.
2: <laughs> was that was that in Bend?
3: That was in Bend, Oregon, yeah.
1: So you did van builds?
3: I did van builds. to help people huh. with their hair, with their cooking, construction, Jeez. design. Uh, I love interior design, so sometimes people ask me to come help them, especially with small spaces because of the, right. hat, you know, right. vans and I'm really good in small spaces.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's super cool. She and could then, help you out in the Sun
1: Raider here. Claire, I, well, you, you know, at some point, puts nice touches on. I would here. like to. I think the next project on this thing is to gut it and put all modern stuff in it, but oh, it's still in such good shape. I'm kind of like, <laughs> just leave the, I don't know, I'll leave it for now. Hey, this is Rat Tail Rick with Trash and Treasure on WMTT Hot Country 103 give us a call tell us what you got for sale today hey you're on the air yeah it is uh enos mohockey over there in booger hole i got a larry fisher mountain pushback for sale only been crashed into a tree once so uh pretty much brand new otherwise got a nice jail seat on it some uh off-road tires and that and uh it's got them suspensions asking tree Fitty firm Service calls only, no scammers. Don't waste my time, don't steal my stuff. 522 0258. All right, Mohawkie over in Booger Hole got a Larry Fisher mountain bike for sale. Tree Fitty, don't waste his time, don't steal his stuff. Give him a call at 522 There's a better way to buy, sell, and rent used outdoor gear. Sendy, a new peer-to-peer online marketplace backed by Cam Zinc and Travis Rice. Built by athletes for athletes, Cendy is committed to providing the outdoor community with a high-quality hub for high-quality gear. Cendy provides a safe platform for buying, selling, and renting, making sketchy meetups with shady characters and seedy parking lots a thing of the past. Sendy uses integrated and discounted UPS rates, QR codes, and print-ready labels, shipping anywhere in the U.S., with Canada coming soon. Download the app today for free at the Apple Store, Google Play, or visit sendy.io. Buy it, sell it, rent it, and send it with Sendy, charter partner of Mind the Track. Now, back to the show. I don't know. What do you think? What's your...
3: I think there's two answers. Okay. <laughs> there's, you know, how do you use this? And is the space working for you? And yes. if the space works for you, and then why... Let it ride. Why change it? If you want to pretty it up and throw a Mexican blanket and some air plants and post it on Instagram, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, there's nah, that, <laughs> right? If that's your style and your whole shtick, then you know there's lots you can do. But if it's functional and you just want to put a baller stereo system in, let's do it.
1: Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it it meets all the needs. All the appliances work. I think the main things are um, under the refrigerator right here. The the original. Uh, particle board whatever is starting to mm-hmm. rot because i think some water leaked out of it so there's like little maintenance things i got to do and then i'm like well you know it's like that onion like you peel back one layer and then you're like oh and then you peel back yeah. another and then before you know it you've ripped the whole freaking interior out and you're like well i guess i'm starting over
3: i mean the space is really well distributed For it's a incredibly well designed little
1: taco it's so roomy it's incredibly it's well so- designed i don't know why they stopped making these things mm-hmm. um well i do know why but um they went out of business but uh no, I don't know why somebody didn't pick it up. I mean, I know there's yeah, truck right, house, right. which is here in Reno. But mm-hmm. right? they're two hundred thousand dollars. No, fifty yeah. thousand. Yeah. Is that they're how much in- they are? Insane. Yeah, insane. Just out of out of most people's trajectory. But anyway, I mean I don't want to I don't want to yeah. get off track with I, I wanna get back on <laughs> yeah, track so. with with your story. So like you were um you were doing interior design, hairstyling, uh <laughs> um food. consultancy, food, all in Bend. Mm-hmm. How long how long did you live in Bend for?
3: I was in Bend for 12 or 13 years. Oh,
1: okay. So that was like your longest stint Ever. anywhere? Anywhere. Anywhere. Okay. And
3: um yeah, and I always knew that I'd get back into land management, trails, you know, something mm-hmm. along those lines. I becoming a hairstylist was really for me a way to ride out the recession, but I actually very much enjoyed it. I yeah. loved it. Yeah. I loved the you know crossover of being a total dirtbag at heart but also I love to dress up (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know yeah yeah so I like writing that both worlds there but the job that popped up for me I, I came back to Truckee and started working back in trails um up in at the Tahoe Donner Association up in Truckee yep uh, mostly because my sister had a kid. <laughs> I became an aunt. Does your sister live around here? She lives in Truckee. Oh, okay. Yeah, my sister lives in Truckee with her family. And I just really thought, you know, I, it's, I'm at that age where I'm probably not going to have my own kids and family. And I'd love to watch my nephew grow up. And I love this area. I'm from California originally. And mm-hmm. uh, I never thought I'd come back to California. And I love it. I love it. And now getting to be in Reno so close and yeah. getting, you know, now this new position with Washoe County and working in trails, It it's my true calling is really working in land management and rigs <laughs> and camper. I get to travel all over all the time, looking at trails and giving advice and helping people figure out management plans. And I love it. I love it.
1: Let's talk a little bit about your current job. Uh-huh. Um, tell us about who you work for, what you do and like kind of your day to day responsibilities.
3: I can't tell you too much about my day-to-day responsibilities because I don't want anybody to really know. Okay. Because part of the best part of my job is nobody knows what I do. Oh, <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. So I'd like to keep it that way. But you're but you're important. I'm important. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's yeah. talk. So no, instead of no, I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of kidding on that. People know what I do, but I like the freedom of. Um, well, first, let me tell you, I work for Washoe County. Yeah. Which is here in Nevada, obviously yep. Reno. And Sparks are part of that. Yep. Uh, but Washoe County goes to the Oregon border.
2: Right. That's a huge county. Huge county. county.
3: It's huge, huge, huge county. And in my opinion, pretty progressive of this county to hire a trails program coordinator. Mm-hmm. There's last count, I think there were like five of us in the country mm-hmm. of municipalities really hiring somebody to oversee the uh, coordination of all the trails programs. Yeah. Um, you know, as as we all know, there's social trails all over and little trail organizations and yeah. um, so many people getting into trails. Right. That the need for coordination of all of these efforts and grant opportunities and permitting and, mm-hmm. you know, jurisdictional agency collaboration, uh, it's a big need. It's a job. It's a career.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
3: Totally. And it didn't used to be a career. It was a summer job you got after college. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, or a hobby, and now it's it's pretty progressive of Washoe to come up with the funding for this position. Uh-huh. Um, so that,
2: and how long have you had the position? A little over a year. Just a year. A little okay. over
3: a year. Um, yeah, so I get to work with people like Swan John, your lady. Yeah, you know she's in all my meetings. I love. Awesome. We're the two goofy, goofy ladies.
1: <laughs> you know she grew up in a Volkswagen bus too. Oh, ball did eagle. not know that. There's a bald eagle on the Truckee River right oh, there. Yeah. See it. Flying right past us
3: right now. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. We're, oh, yeah. Look at him. Oh, he's coming oh, right yeah. by right the sun. Right past Raiders. the sun Raiders, dude. Checking right it out. It. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So eagle. I wish everyone could see what we're looking at right now because the wow. sun is setting. It's so pretty. Epic. That's a mature <laughs> <The> Baldy,
2: <laughs> too. Big one.
1: Yeah. 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 Swan John, she grew up in a, a, a Volkswagen bus. Her mom has still has it. It's a 1976. Yes. Oh, they wow. called it the pickle bus. It was green with the green plaid. Same interior. era. Same one. Still in pretty decent shape. And um, her mom took uh, Swan John and her sisters like, you know, camping. Like all the time, all summer long. So anyway, you guys have a lot in common beyond your your work
3: responsibilities as trails
1: coordinators.
3: (laughs) Trails coordinators,
1: yeah. Grew up in a Volkswagen bus.
3: That's fun. I love knowing that. Yeah. Um, And she also likes to dress up, I've noticed. She does. She's very stylish. (laughs) Yeah. Super stylish. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, what I do. (laughs) What I do, my day-to-day is very different. Uh, sometimes I work with the tribes you know the regional tribes talk about what their desires and needs are and I get to work with rowdy mountain bikers and um, I think that the down it's not a downside but the part that's challenging for me I guess in the um, working for a municipality is there's so many cool you know local trail organizations that get to host parties and events and you know fun kind of more festive parts of trail collaboration
2: yeah a lot of fundraisers yeah
3: Yeah. i'm a little bit more on the i'm kind of surrounded by um what's the word i'm looking for you know municipal people (laughs) (laughs) municipal (laughs) people (laughs) 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 Yeah, yeah municipal people who don't really understand what I do but they know they need me because they can't answer the questions that God, that's a good place to be in <laughs> you know, I don't know
1: what you do but I think I need you I think you. we need you
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like the office mm-hmm. it's like my book dude <laughs> <laughs> yep.
3: we don't know what you do yeah but that it's um it's very cool and I like I like working with uh, at least in this region, you know, you have this desert ecosystem and then this kind of alpine ecosystem and wetland meadows and rivers. And so it's very diverse. And yeah. That, you don't get that in a lot of regions this no. big, this large.
1: Yeah. And you were mentioning that like your territory includes like the Black Rock Desert where Burning Man, like Gerlach, right? A part of it, yes. That's cra- And that's all Washoe County. Not, well, not all of it, it,
3: but some of it is. Yeah. And yeah, we're working with Burning Man and Friends of Black Rock right now to put a. It'll probably be a boardwalk, realistically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you've been out there, but it's pretty muddy. Oh, yeah. Um, and hopefully a lot of art sculptures, kind of a sculpture garden, Burning Man will be in charge of. and
2: In, in Gerlach.
3: In Gerlach. And then they, the Burning Man organization has basically purchased, purchased a new piece of property called Playa 360. And it'll be a sculpture garden. So folks will be able to walk from the town of Gerlach have a playa experience on the boardwalk. Oh, very cool. And then it's part of the, you know, kind of the dark skies initiative. So yeah. um, I think the plan for that area is to really turn Burning Man, not Burning Man, I'm sorry, the playa into a year round destination. Yeah. So getting to work with them on that is, it's pretty cool. It's <laughs> There's a lot of moving parts and desires and interesting artistic components to that trail that need to be figured out. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's very different than... Working with motorcyclists and mountain bikers is working right. with playa, play artists. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And <laughs> for, know.
2: and for some people that, that might not know then about certain trails in the area, did, did you, a lot of people probably know the the Ta- Tahoe to Pyramid Trail and did you, have you worked on that a bit?
3: Um, no. No, okay. <laughs> I am now, I am now, but there was a large team of people that came before me. Okay. Um, yeah. And they, what an incredible I think that trail is just incredible.
2: Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's definitely gotten really popular with the with the gravel segment of people. Yeah, that are super into the, into the gravel riding.
1: Yeah, one of my favorite loops, man, is um, gravel rides. Is you leave Verdi, you climb Hennes, Hennes Pass, mm-hmm. you go wrap around the the west face of Verdi Peak, and then you descend down to Boca Reservoir, yes. and then you take the Tahoe
2: Pyramid Trail all, all the way all back way to back. Verdi. It's a, like a really awesome forty mile loop. Beautiful. Super so fun. I, I, I asked that because <laughs> when we first met at Kurt's Place, you were talking a little bit about some some projects that were going oh, yeah. out there. But and that's then it's a pretty amazing trail project they have going to want to connect that all the way t- to Pyramid.
3: Yeah. And there was a woman who d- we just lost recently who just passed. But it was really her vision and a team of her people, her board of directors and uh, folks who've made what, you know, the segment that goes from Lake Tahoe basically down here to Reno. Okay. Mm-hmm. That that is in place now and we're trying to figure out how to get from the Sparks area out through Lockwood Canyon out towards Pyramid Lake. Okay. Yeah. And that that is a large challenge. Yeah. <laughs> I think we have railroads and rivers. It's a narrow and canyon. And highways yeah. and you know a lot, lot of different moving parts there and stakeholders involved. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, what do you see the future of Reno with trails mm. look like looking like?
3: Good question. Uh, I think there's so much potential for this to be a world-class destination. Mm-hmm. And that's going to involve a lot of collaboration. <laughs> uh, you know, as somebody who just recently, as in like three, four days ago, picked up a new motorcycle. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> um, and you want to talk about a deal. Like you got the Sun Raider for, yeah. I got the deal of the century. What's on that? This- um, I got a brand new. I'm talking. I mean, I've never had a new anything <laughs> ever. So it's new, new. This is new, new. And I got a Yamaha XT250. And it's perfect for me because I can do streets and dirt roads. And, so is it plated? Um, it's plated. Yes. Four and strokes. it had 100 miles on it. Oh, <laughs> it was basically like 120 something miles. And this woman just didn't want to ride motorcycles. And sold it to me for, you know, I think this bike's worth $5,200 and she gave it to me for 3 Nice. Yeah. That's like, less oh than a new mountain. God. <laughs> hey, I know. Totally. I can't. I mean, I've been trying to buy it. Side note for all you listening. My bikes were recently stolen. What? And I cannot wow, afford. Well, that's fine. That, I can't, that's fine. This yeah. person. I can't afford do, do to replace my bicycles. <laughs> Wait, your bikes
1: were stolen where? Yeah. From your house?
3: Um, my rack was taken off.
1: Oh. Where were you parked?
3: Oh, this is just a full belly deli,
1: <laughs> and Truckee, In Truckee. No, Reno. In Reno, in oh. Reno, and that they just ripped the whole thing off the back of your truck.
3: They took it. Up. I, this is my fault, actually. There, the hitch that has the locking pin to yeah. it, yeah. had br- kind <clears> of <throat> busted off, and so I put a bolt and a nut through it. Mm-hmm. But I was, you know, I never leave my truck or my bikes or anything.
1: How long did you leave your vehicle unattended for?
3: Enough to go inside and. Get, wow! Order a get a sandwich. Really? They Ouch. move
1: that fast mm-hmm. on you. Wow! I mean.
3: Anyway, I haven't. I haven't pro, replaced pro tip, those. But the lock fact, your that, bike <laughs> the well, fact that I could get a motorcycle cheaper than I could buy a bicycle sometimes is just asinine to me. Yeah. And as a trails professional, and how many bicycles I really need and want. Yeah. And can't, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of money to replace all of that. Oh
1: yeah. Well, do you have like homeowners insurance that can cover that, or? Um, have renter's
3: kind of... insurance. Not oh, that's right. You, don't own,
1: of, you don't own a home. I don't own a home. Yeah, I'm um, #vanlife. You move <laughs> West Valley. My home's on my wheels. I do actually
3: have a home that I rent, but <laughs> anyway, that's a side note. But my when you said, what's the vision here for trails? Like, yeah, trails. I think this is going to be a destination for folks in the next ten years or so. We have we have a little bit of ways to go, you know. But we have those incredible organizations like the Sierra Buttes Trail Stewardship coming over with. They're, multi-use t- they're tying trails. into some stuff here. Yeah, they're tying in. We have, you know, the Orogenesis Trail coming down, you know, from Oregon. Basically, that those segments are done. There's mm-hmm. so many cool trail projects up in the Lake Tahoe region that are kind of filtering whether we're ready for it or not, coming down into the Carson Valley and yeah. this region. But a, a lot mm-hmm. of the trails that I'm working on are actually over to the east, the east side of Reno. And a um, lot of plans to circumnavigate the entire Truckee Meadows region with yeah. more long distance style trails that have stacked loops. Yeah. And the plan is really to connect not just, you know, dirt single track style trails, but urban bike paths. So that every new development that comes into Washoe County is going to be required to put in a paved path connecting to public lands. Yeah. So that hopefully you could ride your bike all over town on urban bike paths and, Um, As of recently, there's a new adaptive cycling center over on the east side of town. There's a kind of a hub for folks with adaptive cycling, you know. That's great. We're going to build a lot more trails for folks with mobility issues. Yeah. Really cool.
2: Is there some good single track over on on the east side of Reno? I've never ridden over there. There
3: actually, there is. It's, I'm impressed by the people who ride over there sometimes. You'll see these, you know, little old ladies and men who are on, you know, single-speed oh, bikes. They've that. That been riding the same janky trails for 30 years. And <laughs> I look at them and think, that, is, that trail's like six inches wide, and it's ball-bearing rocks, and they're crushing it. So, yes, the plan is to improve those trails a little bit without <laughs> pissing them off. <laughs> um, we, we have lots of plans throughout the entire county. Um, and then working with the folks in Carson to connect all of the dots.
1: Yeah what do you um, how did you compare Reno to Bend? Um, what do you like better? What do you like less better the differences?
3: Ugh, do you have listeners from Bend <laughs> Probably but you know're
1: we're a, we're a Sierra Nevada and Great Basin biased uh, podcast so
3: So I, I left Bend for a reason in it for me it was it was just was not my place anymore yeah. Um,
1: anymore. So it changed while you were there.
3: It very much changed. Yeah. And a lot of that, you know, Benz became a town for beer and bikes, really. That's kind of, you know, it's a party town. It's like living in an Instagram post right. for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People who go there on vacation, love it. People right. love it. <laughs> they love it, love it, love it. And you could ride, let's say you're a mountain biker. Yeah. Right. I like to not focus all of my trail talk just on mountain biking because mm-hmm. I think I think that's one of the things that we start falling into as trails professionals is only catering to mountain bikers. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. Right.
3: But Ben did a great job of helping build that community up again after the recession, probably a lot due to the trails that they were building. Mm -hmm. You know, they're really fun and they're very user friendly but you come down here, and you're going to become a really good rider. <laughs> yeah. Because it's technical and challenging and, and, steep. Um, and steep.
2: Ben's, Ben's yeah. easier, right? Ben's way easier. I've never ridden there. The last time I was up there, I took a dirty left and went to, went Oak, Ridge. to uh, Oak, Ridge. O- Oak Ridge. Super instead. fun. And,
3: you know, in Oak Ridge, what a Ridge great spot like that they here. have for their backyard. Yeah. You know, I think it's like an hour, hour and a half away. Oak Ridge is phenomenal. And so, you know, you can have this great lifestyle similar to here yeah. in Bend. But I think if we used to joke that if you want to be a intermediate skier or an intermediate mountain biker, move to Bend. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, if you want to really push your skill sets, you would come to a place more like this. Yeah. Um, and both have their value. Yeah. I love that in Bend you could go for a 30-something mile ride totally. every single day yeah. and have a great time. Whereas the first week I lived in Truckee, I, some friends from Bend were here and we thought, oh, well... We're going to meet somebody for dinner in like two hours. Let's go for this quick ride. And we got up on the Taha Rim Trail in South Lake. I think we went like five miles. <laughs> you know, none of us were ready <laughs> yeah, for what yeah. we were about to experience. I thought we were, you know, we set up the shuttle and everything thinking, oh, I'll just go crash like 20 miles real quick. Right. Because you could do that in bed. <laughs> right. And I think we had to turn around and, you know, I mean, just we're not prepared for
2: yeah how much more ben is to? a big bike town it's huge you know, it's a huge, huge that's uh do you know stratton mattinson the bike to board kid uh, he, i he, know he's maybe a little bit behind you because he, he's a little bit of a sensation these days mm. so uh, many great he was actually, riders actually i'll bring it up because he was my he was my uh sendy nomination. Send of the week. yeah this- my send well he was actually the send of the month Let's hear uh, it. So he was, uh, he's based out of Bend. Okay. And uh, he has been completely human powered now for a number of years. I think it's probably pushing three or four, maybe longer. I'd love to have him on the show. I've got a mutual friend that I think, you know, can help us connect and maybe get him on the show. But he is a mm-hmm. bike to board person. So he does not use a vehicle to go snowboarding. And awesome. he's based, yes. and he's based out of Bend. Yeah. And because of the climate and the and the topography there, it, it allows him to ride to all of those volcanoes mm-hmm. and you know the, you know all the different peaks in in the area, which are which how is vast. Is, how old is he? He's in his late twenties, I think. Okay. Yeah. He's, that's he's, awesome. He's young, uh, and he just sends it. But so he just did a thirty day bike to board trip, I think, from Bend, but into the into the uh, into Eastern Oregon. Yes. And was in all the sagebrush zones and mm-hmm. just absolutely crushed it. It was crushing huge backcountry lines, you know, and it's all mm-hmm. camping as well. So I mean, is so he these... like ride a cargo bike or what kind of bike does he so, have? So he is not using a trailer. Uh, he puts everything like my my good friend Mike Johnson, who's done a whole bunch of bike touring in South America. He is a firm believer in putting everything on the bike, so he uses uh, ski straps. Which I'll give Curtis uh, shout out right now. He's got his little, <laughs> he's got his microphone. <laughs> uh, uh, strapped I thought you I thought you'd appreciate that. Yeah, no, no, I don't. I noticed it right away. So yeah, <laughs> nice, good work on the ski strap. But no, he 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 straps everything uh to his bike with ski straps and panniers yeah and and carries carries everything and he and but he just did 30 days uh on the bike and just crushed a whole bunch of lines and it's just so it's super inspiring what he does yeah everybody needs to check him out i mean that's actually how i found out about him uh, other than through some mutual friends uh uh, his Instagram handle is Cascade Connections, cool. and and he just absolutely loves that area. And just is a firm believer in what that zone has to offer, okay. and especially for him to be able to ride to everything yeah. that he skis.
3: And you can uh, have a multi sport day there. Yeah. So oh yeah. It seems easily. like every day. Like he's
2: multi sporting every day. Yeah. You can multi sport and bend easily.
3: When I yeah. moved to Truckee. You Know, I was dating people, and these guys were like, What's up with you in the multi sport? I was like, Let's we're gonna pack the paddleboard and the skis and the bike, and they're like, Let's just pick a lane and stay in it today. And I'd be like, But why? We could do it all. And that I brought that from, Bend. And that when, from Ben. And when now, when I go visit my friends in Ben, like, do we, does anybody sit down ever? You know, the everyone is always rallying these multi-sport days. We're like, yeah. well, first we're going to ski and then we're going to bike and then we're going to hop on our motorcycles and we're, <laughs> you know, and that. what's well, sounds
1: that, like good living. It seems lower in imp- I mean, it's lower impact recreation there. Like, you know, you were saying, I, I've been to Bend with the single speed, do a 50-mile single-speed ride, mm-hmm. and it's like no big deal. Like, you did a 50-mile single-speed ride here, you'd be hating your, Hating yourself, right? You know, but you can do those. You'd be angry, Angry. exactly. That's where the, I mean, that's where the angry single speeder came from. Was just doing a fifty mile ride in the in the Sierra Nevada on a single Mm -hmm. speed. Like, what am I doing? But you know, in Bend, like the skiing, right? Like Bachelor is like super accessible. It's you know easy to get to. It's easy to ski on. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's relatively easy. It's it's volcanic terrain. So volcanic terrain is a long approach, it's right? Broad. It's yeah. broad and it's gradual and then you when you get to the crux it's steep.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: leading up to it it's totally like mellow and for miles and miles and miles whereas in the Sierra Nevada, right, it's it's more just right out of the gate straight yeah. up. And so yeah.
3: It's a yeah. I mean they're so different and I have love for Bend and that whole area. And I mean, honestly, that's where my closest friends are, mm-hmm. but they're still up there. I felt crazy leaving community that I felt so close with and coming down here. But man, I get around granite and I just feel like I can. That's
2: the climber in yeah.
3: I know. And I don't even really climb anymore, but I, uh, man, I love granite. <laughs> I love it.
1: You don't climb anymore?
3: I don't. Not really. I would. I would if I had what? the setup. up. Uh,
1: oh, just you don't have the gear. Is that the only reason?
3: No, I have the gear. I, <laughs> I had um a shoulder injury. Oh, I had a pretty bad shoulder injury and um have lost kind of a lot of people in mm-hmm. the climbing world.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah but,
3: you know, and so at some point it starts messing with your head, and yeah. at mm-hmm. some point the fear factor outweighed the fun factor. I yeah. still love mountaineering, you know, more yeah. um, mountain travel, but the yeah, vertical rock climbing. And also, I, my favorite type of climbing was crack climbing, which is, you know, mm-hmm. Utah, but, and which is funny. That scares most folks, but yeah. a little far from Utah, Utah. and Yosemite. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, are you familiar with the Enormo cast?
3: Enormo cast? Yeah. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> when, when were you rock climbing? Uh, I pretty much quit around 2005. Okay. So yeah. it was before.
1: So we, like, I got turned on to the Enormo cast, which is another podcast that's been around for. Yeah, probably more than 10 years now. And um, it's all about, it's rock. It's a rock climbing podcast. Okay. And uh, we. I just, I'm not a rock climber at all, but somebody turned, a friend turned me on to it and I've just been listening to it going, I, I mean, Chris Caloose, the host, is amazing. And just the, I think what I love about rock climbing, even though I don't do it, is just there's so many parallels between mountain biking mm-hmm. and skiing and snowboarding and surfing and the things that like we talk about on Mind the Track that carry over to the rock climbing world you need to know about weather you need to know about geology and geography and just terrain and like in an adventure and i feel like there's such a like strong culture around rock climbing mm-hmm. and you know I, I see a lot of parallels between those two sports which you know i've been kind of enthralled even though i have no idea and no desire i'm like <laughs> hanging from yep. the side of a cliff sounds like terror to me it's just night things my nightmares are made of I'm i'm like no i'm good i don't need that but, yeah
2: the 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 parallel to kurt is that you get the same sort of experience from rock climbing that we sort of yeah you know sort of chase sure. chase either biking or, or skiing or snowboarding which is sort of that zen, yeah. the, the zen flows flow state now? I, yeah, I don't know about ball sports but oh yeah not you know, balls. I'm not uh, a sport ball Yeah. <laughs> sport <laughs> but, ball, sport but ball. you know sport climbers you know you really Happy fun ball I did a whole bunch of bouldering and climbing for a number of years and you know that was the, the one thing that always drew me to it was that you know you you would dissolve all the worries and just sort of be in it allowed you to be in the moment when, yeah. you, when you climb yeah and that's I I think that's the the one sort of commonality that we have, with with climbers that are you know mm-hmm. that that they're 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 searching for that same feeling yeah that we get from from doing it yeah
3: I really. I have a strange situation in which I don't really sweat anymore. Oh, yes.
1: We yeah, need to talk about yeah, this. So why? I, oh, so, oh, oh so, did you fill so, him in? <laughs> I did. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's that was <laughs> one of the first things I said to Tom about her, uh, You're about you. He was like, so what's her deal? I was like, she, she was struck sweat. by lightning I and mean, she yeah. doesn't sweat anymore. It's <laughs> yeah. insane. She don't builds
2: trail. And, and it's I mean, a core lord and doesn't sweat sense. anymore. And that, <laughs> right, let's hear this That story. was the premise well, that I got. Well, my
3: point to even bringing that up is because I, I really switched to water sports in the summer. And so though I know you as a mountain biker, right? Yeah. And half the people that I know that we will we'll mention yeah. that we share in common are mountain bikers. Right. And My people are mountain bikers. Right. And I rarely mountain bike with people because, especially in the summer, I don't sweat. Hence why I need an e-bike, sponsors. (laughs) If anybody wants to give me a free e-bike. You're on the wrong podcast. (laughs) We have one sponsor. Um, You can buy a used one, maybe, on (laughs) Sendy. Looking for a donated e-bike medium. (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, but I really switched to rafting and surfing. and um, Because in the summertime, I switched to water. And then my mountain bike seasons are, you know, really spring, winter, and fall. So Hmm. I, I do it a lot alone. And I get that same thrill that you're talking about, you know, skiing, climbing, whatever, on a raft, which is there's so many parallels in Mm -hmm. all these sports about the fear factor, the weather, the rocks, the, you know, I love, you just have to be in tune with your surroundings. And that's, I think, what draws so much of athleticism and recreation to the outdoors, that play, that play with nature, right? Play with nature. And also the skill the fear and
1: feeling the power yeah right like Mm -hmm. you're like yeah you're dancing with it being a surfer and a mountain biker naturally being a whitewater rafter like it makes (laughs) sense it's like yeah dude it's like mountain biking because it's rocky and it's like surfing because you're on the water and there's that like navigation and like the thrill of the moment when you're in the energy of the rapid and you're just like just paddle and go you know it's like and then hang on.
3: You just got to get in the flow. Yeah. And sometimes you have to eddy out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, take a, yep. take a beat. That's life. Because it's just life. So many metaphors. So why <laughs> why don't you sweat? Oh, yeah. So you yeah, really want you, me to tell you, the story. Yeah, avoided,
2: I, yeah, you got you, you to answer. You diverted there.
3: I do that a lot with the story. Um, so when I was working in Colorado for the uh, rock climbing organizations, I um, I got struck by lightning. <laughs> and that was we came off a rock mm. climb for the day, just a recreational climb for the day. And we were coming down off of a climb.
2: Were you above treeline?
3: Yes. fourteen thousand feet. Oh okay. <laughs> In yeah, the Sangre de Cristo Mountains. Oh god. Yeah. Where I drove that Volkswagen van. And I was with two men who are unfortunately no longer alive. Um, not not because of this incident, but uh so this is one of the reasons they were my main climbing partners so now there's this a sensitivity around the whole thing why I don't climb mm-hmm. related to that but uh I used to be and I still am to this day very good at running really fast on scree fields and boulder fields whereas these guys were legit world class mountaineers and wearing boots like they they took off their climbing shoes and put on their boots because we had packs and I was, I've always run in like little running shoes or, you know, kind of approach shoes. And so I was just so far ahead of them and got to this kind of scree field and that slowed them down. So I I had a lot, a lot of space between us. And according to them at the time, like I, it was a direct hit. I got struck and blasted, I don't know, 30, 50 feet forward on the ground. Wow. Yep. And that'll change your life. (laughs) That'll change your life. I had some uh, kind of weird out-of-body experiences happening in the moment, and there was still lightning and thunder going on, and exit wounds of electricity, yeah. you know, through my leg and the oh, bottom of my you
1: feet. Seconds, were you 30, conscious, you have second, like, degree remembering burns? after this happened?
3: Um, that's where things get weird. <laughs> oh. And you, coming from Boulder as well, like, I'll, I started becoming studied. I joined lightning support groups, and people were studying me. <laughs> wow. There's a le- it's actually not as uncommon as you would think. My brother's no.
2: my brother's been struck by lightning.
3: Yeah, and you know how they say, "Oh, people don't get struck, or uh, lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place." It does oh, yeah, it in does. humans. <laughs> like yeah. it will strike the same human twice. Yeah, and so it's that chicken or the egg, right? Like, was I struck because of my EMFs? I don't know if your brother's ever been tested for EMFs, but I don't um, know. We all have them. We all have like an electromagnetic oh, like, field yeah. or force, mm-hmm. but chicken or the egg, you don't measure those, right? It's not part of your like annual checkup from the doctor. What are your EMFs? I think we should do that because of cell phones and how that's all affecting us. But Hmm. was I struck because of my EMFs or were my EMFs higher after that because of being struck? We'll never know. Right. Right.
1: And you... Wow, man! I know there's a lot to take it's... in there,
3: and there's always so many questions. I've I've answered them all. You can't surprise me with one.
1: <laughs> were you Were you the tallest thing in the area when you were running across that scree yes. field?
3: Yeah, I was. Run- Alpine tundra had yeah. just come out of the scree field. Thank goodness, because I wasn't on rock. I was on tundra. Yeah. And yeah, my the only metal I had on my body was in my. Dental fillings and the eyelets on my shoelaces. You
2: didn't. You didn't have a rack with you. The, no, the, we the were guy. smart
3: enough to know. We we knew we were in trouble. I mean, I, I you lived guys up were getting
2: off, You guys were getting off the, the mountain.
3: Yeah. At that yep, point, yep, had yep. you ditched your gear? We ditched our gear wow. and thinking, oh, we'll come back for it tomorrow. Wow. Um, I mean, I lived in this mountain range for five summers. At yeah. fourteen thousand yep. feet so yeah. i was
1: uh what time of day was this Was not it early afternoon late afternoon
3: that's what was so crazy storms in colorado come in at like one o'clock or right. three o'clock right you can almost time your watch by it right and it was mm-hmm. we were summing at 11 oh wow it was early. 11 o'clock we got a 4 a.m start and summited looked and there there was this the darkest storm i've ever seen right on top of us Wow. And, and
2: was it was it on top of you or sometimes I, I've been in Colorado on big peaks before and sometimes they're almost like level with you or below you. It,
3: yeah. In and this basin, they would come in. Normally, the storms would come in and settle in below you. So when I was camping, we were higher than the storms yep. usually. Yeah, yeah, I've had that experience before. Yeah. I d- was
2: doing a big traverse of the of the collegiates mm-hmm. and we got chased off of a 14er. Yep. And it was the t- scariest thing situation yeah. i've ever had with lightning but holy cow
3: yeah and so, anyway we were climbing on the east facing side of a peak okay. it's it's a peak called crestone needle mm-hmm. it's written up in 50 classic climbs in north america it's not actually a very difficult rock climb i think it's at hardest i think it's a five nine
2: now is that the one that's uh privately owned no it's so it's not the peak in the center there's a 14 i think down there that's still privately owned
3: i want to say that's kit carson but i could be wrong okay um yeah anyway that (laughs) we ditched our gear so i didn't have any metal but the metal on the eyelets of my shoelaces is my shoes blew off my feet and so that the metal just from those little eyelets was enough to blow my shoes off my feet god yeah
2: and did your partners get you off the mountain, okay, or were you guys? They did. Did they require other assistance? I had to
3: hike out. Yeah. I had to hike out six miles, and this is back in the day when everyone was rocking a lot of fleece. You don't see as much fleece as you did back in those days. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Like in the nineties, mm-hmm. everyone was like rocking fleece. Yeah. So we did. It, had...
2: <laughs> did it melt on you?
3: It didn't, but we had it in our packs, and um, I because I couldn't put my shoes back on and had a wound on my leg we had climbing tape with us and so we took all of our fleece (laughs) jackets and shirts and And basically made like big ball booties booties out of tape and then i hiked out six miles to where the truck was and then we drove but my heart rate was really low and i just felt super calm
2: you weren't you weren't shocky
3: I Well, at first I was when I this is where things get weird and people this could take us down. A, this could be a whole different podcast <laughs> about where this goes. But the, um, there was a moment when a man who was climbing with me, he was standing above me and he was talking to me. And it didn't it didn't register that I had been struck by lightning. But I remember looking at him and there was lightning and thunder and hail and seeing his mouth moving and knowing that he was talking to me. And then I became really aware of the fact that I was responding to him, and then he would laugh and say something. We were having a conversation, Yeah. but the me that's talking to you right now was thinking- It
2: was a little out of body.
3: How am I having a conversation and having this thought at the same time? Mm -hmm. Like I don't understand how, I don't even know what I'm saying, but my mouth is moving. (laughs) He just was having thoughts independent of my mouth and my body. you know so then this really loud crack of lightning hit and it was like that kind of adrenaline burst and I realized wait a minute we were in danger we were running and so I jumped up and started running again and I think they realized oh she's in shock (laughs) and they started screaming at me to you know sit down and then they told me hey you've been struck by lightning wow you know um and then we were, you know, were all of us medically trained and kind of knew what we were doing. And so they took my vitals and we mm-hmm. walked out. And the worst part about it was really having to get my legs scrubbed out every day for almost six weeks. I'd have to go into this doctor and they would take this pillow right. pad thing and scrub out my legs. I do leg. wound care for you. Uh, yeah, and that, that was rough. But I wouldn't really realize the effects like the lack of sweating or the other things that happened for a long time. And it was only through listening to other people who had been struck by lightning where I started piecing things together. Like, yeah, my teeth, my teeth aren't the same. And Hmm. yeah, it was, it took a long time.
1: So in the so as a result now, you don't really ride mountain bikes that much in the summer because you overheat really fast fast Mm -hmm. because you don't sweat.
3: I don't sweat. It has to be cold or I ride super early or really late when everyone else is kind of done is when I'm going out.
1: Yeah. Have you had heat exhaustion because of that? before like where you didn't sense it or yeah. no?
3: yeah and it's not fun you know to try yeah. and ride with people and um i'm turning beet red and everyone's looking at you like oh my god you're getting so red and then i get embarrassed so i get redder and <laughs> it's, <laughs> just, <laughs> it just is, it's just it's a snowball effect <laughs> yeah yeah
2: you wow. do need a knee bike then
3: i do and when people you know working in The field of trails management, I've heard all the talks about e-bikes and I have obviously zero judgment about them. I want one. (laughs) But I, you know, when people talk about their medical conditions and their, you know, back injuries or how this has changed their life, I get it. I get it. I would ride all day long with all of you guys, (laughs) you know, if I had one and I'd say yes more often. Yeah. I would have said yes to you the other day when you invited me Kurt. But, uh, <laughs> it was. It would have been a perfect day. <laughs> it was.
1: Yeah, it was a beautiful day to go for a little a bike day. ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that same day, Palbot was out skiing. Oh. In Deso,
2: just just yesterday.
1: Just the,
3: yeah, that was, was yesterday. Was that yesterday? So, that yeah. was yesterday. It feels like so long ago, but that was yesterday. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I had the last last. hurrah for powder maybe of the year yeah let's say that we (laughs) keep saying we keep saying it but you know i I mean it's my partner that i that i hooked up with out there we were just totally reveling in the fact that we've both have sort of dedicated our lives to skiing the west shore of tahoe you know for 20 plus years and he and i both were commenting that i don't think we ever remember a year where we've skied pow on the west shore for now seven months Wow. it started in november Are you and, still enjoying it Are you oh, loving yeah. oh, it every time i walked for I'd hiked for 8 hours yesterday to go fill my cup yeah yes. I have, have not <laughs> have not gotten enough and it was just an absolutely magical day you know and and, and I, the one thing that i'd like to sort of convey to the listeners was that uh, winter was not over at all when we were we you know we walked out to dicks uh, from from maggie's from bayview uh, there at emerald bay and it had, you know, it's been snowing. We've been having weather and it's, it's been snowing, but it had snowed, a, you know, a good foot out there, maybe more. And then, uh, you know, when, when I approached Dix, there was some uh, a fair bit of wind loading going on and there were some you know, some natural av- avalanches that had happened, I think, maybe a day or two prior, and then again the, the, maybe the night before we walked out there. And so my hackles were up a little bit and I was like, holy cow, this is, you know, it's, it's full-on winter out here. And, uh, I ended up ski cutting of a rather big avalanche off of Dick's Mm. and I'd have to say of all the backcountry skiing I've done this year, this was the biggest avalanche that I was involved in all year. And it happened on May 7th. Yesterday. uh, Yesterday in (laughs) Tahoe. And, uh, you know, I, it was a little bit of a spooky one in that I, I had my, my hackles were up and I had, uh, uh, summited Dick's and, uh. Had gone over to the zone that I wanted to ski and had sort of just sort of traversed the ridge a bit, and and was you know just sort of wanting to wait the, the the it wasn't quite a cornice, but I could tell that there had been a fair bit of wind loading, and so I had jumped around and you know you know more or less tried to do a bit of a ski cut, and 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 didn't get any results, and I ended up walking about another ten or fifteen feet away, and looking to the to the southwest and taking a couple of pictures of of pyramid and and the Lake Aloha basin. And then turned around, and in the thirty-five, forty set, forty-five seconds to a minute that I had, you know, had done what I thought was, you know, had managed the top of that slope, it it then went, and it was really spooky. Wow! You know, and it went. Yeah. It was a one and a. It was a D one and a half, almost a D two. Uh, it was enough to bury a person, and it and it it didn't quite run all the way to Dick's Lake, but it almost did, and uh, and you know, it kind of spooked me a little bit, and I was like, <laughs> May seventh. I guess, 7. <laughs> I, guess I, I, I guess my you know my hackles up was was you know was serving me right, and then I did my due diligence, and then it just the, the thing was is that the result didn't happen right away, and that's that was something that I don't think I've I've ever experienced in in all my years in the backcountry, but anyway we ended up uh, I ended up hooking up with my my friend Andy, uh, ended up walking out there, and he was about an hour behind me, but we linked up and did two two laps on Dicks, and then skied Janine's on the way out, and it was just an absolutely blessed day. May seventh, full 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 day, eight hour day of powder in Tahoe. That's it's awesome, pretty pretty special. But it's
3: pretty cool. Uh,
2: you know, I'll just say again one one more time for people. You know, the 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 avalanche you know centers. You know, the Sierra Avalanche Center here in, in Tahoe, and mm-hmm. even the one in Utah, and the, at pretty much every avalanche center in North America has has shut down their observations and forecasts for the year. But uh, we keep getting snow, and we keep getting avalanches. So you know, don't don't ever let your guard down.
3: Is that mostly due to funding?
2: I, you know, I don't know. I, it, I think it is, and I, I but I'm surprised that. Some places don't go longer when the when the season requires it, mm-hmm. uh, and this is this, <laughs> this is definitely def, this is definitely, <laughs> this there's this is definitely that. There's probably not people season. skiing though. I mean, it's Powbot and
1: like a handful of other frothers that are out there on May seventh getting yeah, the pow. There was no. There's else out that, there. Yeah, there's not many people. I but think are but skiing.
2: Th- there's a ton of people still skiing in the Eastern Sierras right now, yes. and I know that yeah. Esac has stopped. You know, those guys have stopped doing their forecasts. But you know, I think it's. A little, yeah. I don't think they got as much snow as we did, but. Yeah. I think it's funding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's probably funding and then they, they just have to have, you know, dates and, and the people that work for them have you know, they end up having an off season and they, you know, just sort of have their dates that they, they do it. But yeah, on a year like this, it might be good for them to to call it May 15th. Yeah. The end of the, end of the season.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of calling it, um, the sun's about to go down. (laughs) It's getting dark. It's, uh, Dusk here in Verde as we're looking out over a cloudy ridge, um so we should probably bring this episode to a close. But uh Christina, it's it's been, been super cool to chat with you, super cool you. Talk. hear your to stories. Yeah, yeah. We I, and there's more stories I wanted to tell, but you know, I was at that the Timberfest games in Loyalton the oh, other yes. day. That was crazy. Yeah, let's
2: hear it. Let's before we wrap this up, let's hear a little bit about that. All right. So brief. I you know.
1: I've been to rodeos and rodeos are awesome because just like how badass, you know, rodeo people are and, and handling animals and just like athleticism and, and hard, you know, just hard mm. people. And, uh, man, these, these timber athletes, these loggers, man, men and women, uh, both just unbelievable athletes making <laughs> super dangerous things look pretty safe You know, like I think the crux of it all was when they pulled out the hot saws, which are these basically chainsaws attached to a dirt bike engine. I mean, ridiculous, (laughs) dude. Ridiculous. Can you actually hold No, not for more than a handful of seconds. Like they literally have it on the ground. They pick it up. They cut make three passes on an eighteen inch log in like less than ten seconds. It's like it's like the NHRA of logging you know what i mean yeah. they have like these hot rod chainsaws and you just you run them for about 20, 10 seconds 20 seconds at the very most and they're just they're ripping they have a two stroke you know on a dirt bike they have like a big two stroke pipe they have like a giant pipe off the bottom of this thing it's it's mental i've never seen
3: did they have any other like a dirt bike or a motorcycle where they have the blade the actual big saw blade as the back tire no I, I, have you seen that I have not seen that no I
1: had so this this was you know I think I just kind of like um, the Timberfest games in Loyalton was just kind of the tip of the iceberg as far as these types of games go um but I had never been to one before so I just was it was really awesome to see the athleticism and just the power, man, the power of swinging these axes, mm-hmm. you know, and just chopping that wood, man. Like a, they were just unbelievably powerful. The women were most impressive. They were like incredibly powerful and, and mm-hmm. incredible technique. And yeah, it was, it was, it was really cool. Anyway, Christina, I think you you were in forestry and you said you were on like a logging team in college.
3: I, just as a, I mean, I love that you think that that was so cool. I had to do it to graduate. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I had to do it for so. I had to join the fire crew and I had to join the logging team. Yeah. And this is just to go back to the Volkswagen van. I mean, I was such a like California hippie girl in a forestry school <laughs> that my What do they call it? An event. You know, the thing that I took on during these logging conclaves was log rolling in the pond (laughs) because I didn't want to (laughs) do anything with saws. Right, right, right. Yeah. (laughs) But I, you know, they call them conclaves. Yeah. And you, you know, join other schools and have all these chainsaw events and people running up logs with carrying saws. Yeah. I would probably be over, like, in the back smoking a joint and, like, rolling <laughs> rolling on a log in a lake, <laughs> you know, in boots. <laughs> that was more my style.
1: Uh, all right, so to summarize here tonight, Christina Thayer was into logging. She was into <laughs> van lifing way ahead of its, you know, trendiness for 20 years. Hairstylist, uh, interior designer, uh, rock climber, kayak, uh, whitewater rafter. Um, dirt biker, mountain biker, uh, uh, trails master, <laughs> sounds ridiculous. um, uh, cook, cook, like a chef, probably a chef. She probably did some chefing. Did. Um, what, uh, what else am I missing here? Am I missing I, I anything? Don't
3: know. Just sign me up. If you, you know, got some cool yeah. things. I just sound like I have career ADD when you lay it I, out I like love that. people with <laughs> career ADD. I'm the
1: same way. It's like, that's what makes for inter- interesting, interesting human beings, you know, try and do doing different stuff now how can people find you what's your instagram you, Insta- i guess okay. um
3: and this is funny my instagram is you should write this down i love that
1: yeah <laughs> you should write this down
3: but that comes from so many times in my life where i'm having conversations like this and people are like oh hold on a minute i should write this down yeah and then or i say <laughs> that like, i should really write this down and it's turned into a laurel and hardy skit <laughs> Where when someone says, what's your Instagram? You should write this down. You should, say, okay, you should down. write this down. And they're like, I'm ready. I got a pen. Like, no, no, it's you. should no. write this down. <laughs> and I didn't mean for that, but it, so I have funny. that interaction That's a lot. Really.
1: Easy to remember. Yeah. You should, you should write, write this, this down.
3: down. Find me.
1: And, uh, and one thing we like to ask all our guests at the end of the show is uh, mind the track. What does mind the track mean to you? When you hear the term mind the track, what kind mm. of what first comes to your mind? Mind
3: the track. I think on a more philosophical side of it, okay, um, not in the like stay in your lane kind of (laughs) way, but I really see it as the um, know the path you're on. Yeah, just understand the path you're on and where are you going? Yeah, you know I read in a really cool book that there's a difference between trails and paths. Yeah, have you heard Mm -hmm. this? No. And a a path leads to something. And a trail is kind of, you know, there's not really, there might not be an end and a beginning, yeah, because it, it might does, connect with ends. something else. But yeah. you don't say, "I'm gonna take the trail to happiness." You right. say, "the the path to path it, happiness," or you know, right. but that a path leads to something.
1: Ooh, I like this.
3: So when you say, yeah. "mind mind the track," for some reason, I think of kind of like a path. Yeah. And where where are we going?
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love the philosophical answers.
3: Yeah. Because I could take it in. I mean, I work in trails. I could take that in so many different sure. ways, or ski yeah. tracks and bike tracks. But yeah, the politi- political. The political yeah, stuff. The, the, the you could take it stuff. in. Yeah. You know, so many things. But really, yeah. I want to know. What's your course? Yeah. <laughs> nice yeah. one. Mm-hmm. I
1: like it. Well, Christina, thanks again for joining us here in the the back of the old Sun Raider here on the river.
3: Thanks. I'm it's so fun. happy I made it to the inside. Yeah, yeah So cool. It's way cooler than you Did, can, did a little imagine.
2: bird watching here tonight.
1: Yeah, we saw a bald eagle. That was insane.
3: I yeah. love it. Great way to it's spend been an good.
1: evening. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening to episode number nine of Mind the Track with our guest, Christina Thayer. Until next time, get out there, get deep, and put your mind in the track.